Part seven of Mopsa the Fairy by Jean Ingelow. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Noel Badrian. Chapter ten Mopsa learns her letters. A apple pie. B bit it. How ashamed I am, Jack said, to think that you don't even know your letters. Mopsa replied that she thought that did not signify, and then she and Jack began to play at jumping from the boat onto the bank and back again, and afterwards, as not a single fairy could be seen, they had breakfast with the apple-woman. "'Where is the queen?' asked Jack. The apple-woman answered, "'It is not the fashion to ask questions in fairyland." "'That's a pity,' said Jack, "'for there are several things that I particularly want to know about this country. Mayn't I even ask how big it is?' "'How big?' said Mopsa, little Mopsa looking as wise as possible. "'Why, why, the same size as your world, of course?' Jack laughed. "'It's the same world that you call yours,' continued Mopsa, "'and when I am a little older I'll explain it all to you.' If it's our world, said Jack, why are none of us in it, except me and the apple-woman? That's because you've got something in your world that you call time, said Mopsa. So you talk about now, and you talk about then. And you don't, asked Jack. I do if I want to make you understand, said Mopsa. The apple-woman laughed and said, to think of the pretty thing talking so queen-like already. Yes, that's right, and just what the grown-up fairies say. Go on and explain it to him if you can. You know, said Mopsa, that your people say there was a time when there was none of them in the world, a time before they were made. Well, this is that time. This is long ago. Nonsense, said Jack. Then how do I happen to be here? Because, said Mopsa, when the albatross brought you, she did not fly with you a long way off, but a long way back, hundreds and hundreds of years. This is your world, as you can see, but none of your people are here, because they are not made yet. I don't think any of them will be made for a thousand years. But I saw the old ships, answered Jack, in the enchanted bay. That was a border country, said Mopsa. I was asleep when you went through those countries, but these are the real fairylands. Jack was very much surprised when he heard Mopsa say these strange things, and as he looked at her he felt that a sleep was coming over him, and he could not hold up his head. He felt how delightful it was to go to sleep, and though the apple-woman sprang to him when she observed that he was shutting his eyes, and though he heard her begging and entreating him to keep awake, he did not want to do so, but he let his head sink down on the mossy grass, which was as soft as a pillow, and there, under the shade of a gelder-rose tree, that kept dropping its white flowerets all over him, he had this dream. He thought that Mopsa came running up to him as he stood by the river, and that he said to her, Oh, Mopsa, how old we are! We have lived back to the time before Adam and Eve. Yes, said Mopsa, but
but I don't feel old. Let us go down the river and see what we can find. So they got into the boat, and it floated into the middle of the river, and then made for the opposite bank, where the water was warm and very muddy, and the river became so very wide that it seemed to be afternoon when they got near enough to see it clearly, and what they saw was a boggy country, green and full of little rills, but the water, which as I told you was thick and muddy, the water was full of small holes. You never saw water with eyelet holes in it, but Jack did. On all sides of the boat he saw holes moving about in pairs, and some were so close that he looked and saw their lining. They were lined with pink, and they snorted. Jack was afraid, but he considered that this was such a long time ago that the holes, whatever they were, could not hurt him. But it made him start notwithstanding when a huge flat head reared itself up close to the boat and he found that the holes were the nostrils of creatures who kept all the rest of themselves under water in a minute or two hundreds of ugly flat heads popped up and the boat danced among them as they floundered about in the water i hope they won't upset us said jack i wish you would land Mopsa said she would rather not, because she did not like the hairy elephants. There's no such thing as hairy elephants, said Jack in his dream. But he had hardly spoken when out of a wood close at hand some huge creatures far larger than our elephants came jogging down to the water. There were forty or fifty of them, and they were covered with what looked like tow. In fact, so coarse was their shaggy hair that they looked as if they were dressed in doormats and when they stood still and shook themselves, such clouds of dust flew out that, as it swept over the river, it almost stifled Jack and Mopsa. Odious! exclaimed Jack, sneezing. What terrible creatures these are! Well, answered Mopsa at the other end of the boat, but he could hardly see her for the dust. Then why do you dream of them? Jack had just decided to dream of something else, when, with a noise greater than fifty trumpets, the elephants, having shaken out all the dust, came thundering down to the water to bathe in the liquid mud. They shook the whole country as they plunged, but that was not all. The awful river-horses rose up, and, with shrill screams, fell upon them and gave them battle, while up from every rill peeped above the rushes frogs as large as oxen and with blue and green eyes that gleamed like the eyes of cats the frogs croaking and the shrill trumpeting of the elephants together with the cries of the river horses as all these creatures fought with horn and tusk and fell on one another lashing the water into whirlpools among which the boat danced up and down like a cork the blinding spray and the flapping about of great bats over the boat and in it so confused jack that mopsa had spoken to him several times before he answered oh jack she said at last if you can't dream any better i must call the kraken very well said jack i'm almost wrapped up and smothered in bats wings so call anything you please thereupon mopsa whistled softly and in a minute or two he saw, almost spanning the river a hundred yards off, a thing like a rainbow, or a slender bridge, or still more, like one ring or coil of an enormous serpent, 
and presently the creature's head shot up like a fountain close to the boat almost as high as a ship's mast it was the kraken and when mopsa saw it she began to cry and said we are caught in this crowd of creatures and we cannot get away from the land of dreams do help us kraken some of the bats that hung to the edges of the boat had wings as large as sails and the first thing the kraken did was to stoop its lithe neck pick two or three of them off and eat them you can swim your boat home under my coils where the water is calm the kraken said for she is so extremely old now that if you do not take care she will drop to pieces before you get back to the present time jack knew it was of no use saying anything to this formidable creature before whom the river horses and the elephants were rushing to the shore but when he looked and saw down the river rainbow behind rainbow i mean coil behind coil glittering in the sun like so many glorious arches that did not reach to the banks he felt extremely glad that this was a dream and besides that he thought to himself it's only a fabled monster no it's only a fable to these times said mopsa answering his thought but in spite of that we shall have to go through all the rings they went under one silver green and blue and gold the water dripped from it upon them and the boat trembled either because of its great age or because it felt the rest of the coil underneath a good way off was another coil and they went so safely under that that jack felt himself getting used to krakens and not afraid then they went under thirteen more these kept getting nearer and nearer together but besides that the fourteenth had not quite such a high span as the former ones but there were a great many to come and yet they got lower and lower both jack and mopsa noticed this but neither said a word the thirtieth coil brushed jack's cap off then they had to stoop to pass under the next two and then they had to lie down in the bottom of the boat and they got through with the greatest difficulty but still before them was another the boat was driving straight towards it and it lay so close to the water that the arch it made was only a foot high when jack saw it he called out no that i cannot bear somebody else may do the rest of this dream i shall jump overboard mopsa seemed to answer in quite a pleasant voice as if she was not afraid no you'd much better wake and then she went on jack jack why don't you wake then all on a sudden jack opened his eyes and found that he was lying quietly on the grass that little mopsa really had asked him why he did not wake he saw the queen too standing by looking at him and saying to herself i did not put him to sleep i did not put him to sleep we don't want any more stories to-day queen said the apple-woman in a disrespectful tone and she immediately began to sing clattering some tea-things all the time for a kettle was boiling on some sticks and she was going to make tea out of doors the martin flew to the finch's nest feathers and moss and a wisp of hay the arrow it sped to thy brown mate's breast low in the broom is thy mate to-day liest thou low love low in the broom 
feathers and moss and a wisp of hay warm the white eggs till i learn his doom she beateth her wings and away away ah my sweet singer thy days are told feathers and moss and a wisp of hay thine eyes are dim and the eggs grow cold o mournful morrow o dark to-day the finch flew back to her cold cold nest feathers and moss and a wisp of hay mine is the trouble that rent her breast and home is silent and love is clay jack felt very tired indeed as much tired as if he had really been out all day on the river and gliding under the coils of the kraken he however rose up when the apple-woman called him and drank his tea and had some fairy bread with it which refreshed him very much after tea he measured mopsa again and found that she had grown up to a higher button she looked much wiser too and when he said she must be taught to read she made no objection so he arranged daisies and buttercups into the forms of the letters and she learnt nearly all of them that one evening while crowds of the one-foot-one fairies looked on hanging from the boughs and sitting in the grass and shouting out the names of the letters as mopsa said them they were very polite to jack for they gathered all these flowers for him and emptied them from their little caps at his feet as fast as he wanted them chapter eleven good morning sister sweet is childhood childhood's over kiss and part sweet is youth but youth's a rover so's my heart sweet is rest but by all showing toil is nigh we must go alas the going say good-bye jack crept under his canopy went to sleep early that night and did not wake till the sun had risen when the apple-woman called him and said breakfast was nearly ready the same thing never happens twice in fairyland so this time the breakfast was not spread in a tent but on the river the queen had cut off a tiny piece of her robe the one-foot-one fairies had stretched it till it was very large and then they had spread it on the water where it floated and lay like a great carpet of purple and gold one corner of it was moored to the side of jack's boat but he had not observed this because of his canopy however that was now looped up by the apple-woman and jack and mopsa saw what was going on hundreds of swans had been towing the carpet along and were still holding it with their beaks while a crowd of doves walked about on it smoothing out the creases and patting it with their pretty pink feet till it was quite firm and straight the swans then swam away and they flew away presently troops of fairies came down to the landing-place jumped into jack's boat without asking leave and so got on to the carpet while at the same time a great tree which grew on the bank began to push out fresh leaves as large as fans and shoot out long branches which again shot out others till very soon there was shade all over the carpet a thick shadow as good as a tent which was very pleasant for the sun was already hot when the queen came down the tree suddenly blossomed out with thousands of red and white flowers you must not go on to that carpet 
said the apple-woman, let us sit still in the boat, and be served here. She whispered this as the queen stepped into the boat. Good morning, Jack, said the queen. Good morning, dear. This was to the apple-woman, and then she stood still for a moment and looked earnestly at little Mopsa, and sighed. Well, she said to her, don't you mean to speak to me? Then Mopsa lifted up her pretty face and blushed very rosy red, and said in a shy voice, Good morning, sister. I said so, exclaimed the queen, I said so. And she lifted up her beautiful eyes and murmured out, What is to be done now? Never mind, queen dear, said Jack. If it was rude of Mopsa to say that, she is such a little young thing that she does not know better. It was not rude, said Mopsa, and she laughed and blushed again. It was not rude, and I am not sorry. As she said this, the queen stepped onto the carpet, and all the flowers began to drop down. They were something like camellias, and there were thousands of them. The fairies collected them in little heaps. They had no tables and chairs, nor any plates and dishes for this breakfast, but the queen sat down on the carpet close to Jack's boat and leaned her cheek on her hand, and seemed to be lost in thought. The fairies put some flowers into her lap, then each took some, and they all sat down and looked at the queen, but she did not stir. At last Jack said, when is the breakfast coming? This is the breakfast, said the apple-woman. These flowers are most delicious eating. You never tasted anything so good in your life. But we don't begin till the queen does. Quantities of blossoms had dropped into the boat. Several fairies tumbled into it almost head over heels, they were in such a hurry, and they heaped them into Mopsa's lap, but took no notice of Jack nor of the apple-woman either. At last, when everyone had waited some time, the queen pulled a petal off one flower and began to eat, so everyone else began. And what the apple-woman had said was quite true. Jack knew that he never had tasted anything half so nice, and he was quite sorry when he could not eat any more. So, when everyone had finished, the queen leaned her arm on the edge of the boat, and turning her lovely face towards Mopsa, said, I want to whisper to you, sister. Oh, said Mopsa, I wish I was in Jack's waistcoat pocket again, but I'm so big now. And she took hold of the two sides of his velvet jacket, and hid her face between them. My old mother sent a message last night continued the queen in a soft sorrowful voice she is much more powerful than we are what is the message asked mopsa but she still hid her face so the queen moved over and put her lips close to mopsa's ear and repeated it there cannot be two queens in one hive if Mopsa leaves the hive, a fine swarm will go with her, said the apple-woman. I shall, for one, that I shall. No, answered the queen, 
i hope not dear for you know well that this is my old mother's doing not mine oh said mopsa i feel as if i must tell a story too just as the queen does but the apple woman broke out in a very cross voice it's not at all like fairyland if you go on in this way and i would as lief be out of it as in it then she began to sing that she and jack might not hear mopsa's story on the rocks at aberdeen where the whistling wave had been as i wondered and that e'en was eerie there i saw three sailing west and i ran with joy oppressed ay and took out all my best my dearie then i busked myself with speed and the neighbours cried what need tis a lass in any weed ay bonny now my heart my heart is sair what's the good though i be fair for thou'lt never see me mare man johnny while the apple-woman sang mopsa finished her story and the queen untied the fastening which held her carpet to the boat and went floating upon it down the river good-bye she said kissing her hand to them i must go and prepare for the deputation so jack and mopsa played about all the morning sometimes in the boat and sometimes on the shore while the apple-woman sat on the grass with her arms folded and seemed to be lost in thought at last she said to jack what was the name of the great bird that carried you to here i have forgotten answered jack i've been trying to remember ever since we heard the queen tell her first story but i cannot i remember said mopsa tell it then replied the apple-woman but mopsa shook her head i don't want jack to go she answered i don't want to go nor that you should said jack but the queen said there cannot be two queens in one hive and that means that you are going to be turned out of this beautiful country the other fairylands are just as nice answered mopsa she can only turn me out of this one i never heard of more than one fairyland observed jack it's my opinion said the apple-woman that there are hundreds and those one-foot-one fairies are such a saucy set that if i were you i should be very glad to get away from them you've been here a very little while as yet and you've no notion what goes on when the leaves begin to drop tell us said jack well you must know answered the apple-woman that fairies cannot abide cold weather so when the first rime frosts come they bury themselves bury themselves repeated jack yes i tell you they bury themselves you've seen fairy rings of course even in your own country and here the fields are full of them well when it gets cold a company of fairies forms itself into a circle and every one digs a little hole the first that has finished jumps into his hole and his next neighbour covers him up and then jumps into his own little hole and he gets covered up in his turn till at last there is only one left and he goes and joins another circle hoping he shall have better luck than to be last again i've often asked them why they do that but no fairy can ever give a reason for anything they always say that old mother fate makes them do it 
when they come up again they are not fairies at all but the good ones are mushrooms and the bad ones are toadstools then you think there are no one foot one fairies in the other countries said jack of course not answered the apple woman all the fairy lands are different it's only the queens that are alike i wish the fairies would not disappear for hours said jack they all seem to run off and hide themselves that's their way answered the apple woman all fairies are part of their time in the shape of human creatures and the rest of it in the shape of some animal these can turn themselves when they please into guinea fowl in the heat of the day they generally prefer to be in that form and they sit among the leaves of the trees a great many are now with the queen because there is a deputation coming but if i were to begin to sing such a flock of guinea hens would gather round that the boughs of the trees would bend with their weight and they would light on the grass all about so thickly that not a blade of grass would be seen as far as the song was heard so she began to sing and the air was darkened by great flocks of these guinea-fowl they alighted just as she had said and kept time with their heads and their feet nodding like a crowd of mandarins and yet it was nothing but a stupid old song that you would have thought could have no particular meaning for them like a laverock in the lift it's we too it's we too it's we too for aye all the world and we too and heaven be our stay like a laverock in the lift sing o bonny bride all the world was adam once with eve by his side what's the world my lass my love what can it do i am thine and thou art mine life is sweet and new if the world have missed the mark let it stand by for we too have gotten leave and once more we'll try like a laverock in the lift sing o bonny bride it's we too it's we too happy side by side take a kiss from me thy man now the song begins all is made afresh for us and the brave heart wins when the dark days come and no sun will shine thou shalt dry my tears lass and i'll dry thine it's we too it's we too while the world's away sitting by the golden sheaves on our wedding day end of part seven